as I begin here, you know, I just was thinking, and, and I've shared this before with our church, but, you know, maintaining my intensity and enthusiasm for the things of the Lord is a challenge. And um, I'm sure you realize that in the world that we live in today, to stay enthusiastic and excited about the things of God is not easy. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. And a lot of people think, well, you're a pastor, so obviously for you it's a lot easier, but it's not. And um, in case you don't realize it, I live in the same world you live in. I have the same things you see, the same temptations, the same things that want to want to drain us and pull us back and all those different things. So to, to maintain that, that enthusiasm and excitement for God is difficult. It's a challenge, and it's not wrong for us to confess and to admit that it is, because it is. And the Bible talks about that. We're going to look at that, but... Um, the Bible um, does not hide the fact that the life that we live in Christ is a battle. I mean, we're, we're, it's, a, it's a battle that we're in. In Ephesians uh, chapter 6, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Bible says, for our struggle. It's a struggle. The Bible tells us that it's a struggle. The other, other translations use the word wrestle. It says we wrestle not. You know, it's a struggle. It's a wrestle. Um, some translations use the word contend. Some say um, fighting against. And one of them even said hand-to-hand -hand combat. And I thought that was, that was appropriate. We're... We're in hand-to-hand -hand combat. We're in a battle. We're, in a, there's, there's, we're waging a war to live our lives as Christians the way the Bible calls us to live, to live. So why does the Bible describe the Christian walk in such a way? Because living the life as a Christian is not easy. It's probably the most difficult thing that you'll ever engage yourself in. So when you become a Christian, see, you turn away from the ways of the world. You go against the thinking of the world, the, the mindset of the world, the sin of the world, the pleasure of the world, all the things that the world enjoys. When you become a Christian, a real Christian, you make a decision to go against everything they live for, <laughs> everything they love, all the pleasures, all the things of this world. You, you, it's like fishing. You, you, you decide to take yourself and you swim in the opposite direction. You're going to win. So when you do that, it's not always intentional, but... The world doesn't like that. They don't like the fact that you're standing for God, that you're standing for righteousness, that, that you're standing for truth and holiness and justice and all of those things. And um, it, it, in, in a lot of ways, it makes the world that we live in uneasy. So if, if you just live in the way the world lives and doing, the, doing everything the way the world's doing it, they basically, they're going to leave you alone. But if you decide to stand up, and say, I'm going to stand for truth. I'm going to stand for the word of God. And I'm actually going to live the way the Bible commands me to live and teaches us to live. Then you're going to become, unfortunately, a target. You know, we're, we're, you're going to be an enemy. We become an enemy. And we see that in the world that, that, that we're living in. So Jesus, if you read the Gospels, uh, Jesus upset the religious system. See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they, they were religious, but they weren't godly. <laughs> They had, they had their religion, but they didn't have the heart for God. So Jesus comes on the scene, and, and Jesus wasn't just a, he wasn't a teacher. <laughs> they thought he was. They called him good. What was Jesus? Was God. <laughs> he, 
He was God himself coming to the earth. So these Pharisees and, and Sadducees, they thought they had it all figured out. They had, they had that little plan going really great, and they were just doing their religious thing, thinking that they were really pleasing God. And then all of a sudden, God comes on the scene and says, well, I'm going to really show you what pleases God. And, and Jesus came to show them what was true. And um, uh, one of the things that Jesus told them, he says, you have heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In other words, they were, they were living according to the law of Moses. Lo, uh, lo, love those who love you, but, you, but hate your enemies. Jesus said, I'm, I'm showing you a better way. To love, to love your enemies and pray for those who hate you. That, that, that was a completely different way from what, from what they were living. See, Jesus elevated Christianity from a religion to a relationship with him. See, Christianity is not a religion. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a religion. And, and unfortunately, especially in America, we associate being a Christian with religion, with, with our association with our church or our denomination. But Jesus shows us that Christianity is a relationship with him. It's falling in love with him, obeying him, seeking him, doing all the things that please him. So this morning I want to look at, you know, and as I said, we're in a struggle, we're in a, we're in a battle for our life as Christians. And um, so I want to look at things that, that we can identify as Christians that, that can become warning signs or danger signs that we can look at and say, you know what, Maybe I'm beginning to kind of slip away and kind of fall away from, from, from the love I had, the first love that I had for, for Christ and my relationship with the Lord. We can be in danger of doing those things. And the Bible has several passages that talk about this. And I'm going to look at one here in Matthew chapter 24. It says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus said, he who stands firm to the end. You know, and as a believer, you have to ask yourself, have I made the decision to go the distance? Have you made that decision in your heart as a Christian that you were going to go, as Jesus said, all the way to the end? And regardless of the difficulty to live as a believer, will you still stand? No matter how difficult it gets, will you still stand for Christ? So I titled the message today, Standing Firm to the End. Standing Firm to the End. And, um, you know, the Bible tells us that we are commanded to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the world that we live in is competing for our devotion for God. There's competition. Some, something's always trying to take our hearts and divide our hearts 
and divide our devotion and our attention and our love away from the things of God. We're in constant competition. The battle to live as a Christian is intense. It's intense, and I believe it's going to become even more intense, especially in, the, in America. And we're going to look at some things, but, but, but um, we must evaluate our relationship with the Lord and, and really decide, is this just a, a surface religious thing that I have, or is this really a, a, a life as a Christian where I've actually surrendered my life to Christ? Like, everything. <laughs> my, my whole body, my soul, my being. I've surrendered everything, or is it just something on the surface that's shallow, that's just something that's part of my life, that I just kind of put, you know, in pick and choose when I want to do it, or is it, is it everything to me? That's something you and I have to come to the conclusion. We, ha- we, we have to conclude if that's where we're at. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, and this isn't on the screen here, and again, the Bible, if you read the New Testament, um, the, the Bible mentions many warning signs of what's going to happen. I believe things we are experiencing now in the world today. And, um, but th- this is what was written in 2 Timothy. He says, there will, be, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. I believe we can take every one of those descriptions and place it in the world we live in today. I can almost, if you just go into, the, just go into your world one day, I can experience at least half of those things that, that the Bible says will be, evident, will be evident in the last days. And lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That, that, that people put their pleasures of life before, before the things of God. The Bible is not written to condemn us, but rather it is written to warn us, to, to show us, to keep us, to prevent us from slipping and going the wrong way. And thank God the Bible's here that God gives us the warning signs, that God doesn't just leave us on our own to, to just fend for ourselves and say, well, I'm not really sure how this thing's all going to work out and what's going to happen. No, God told us ahead of time what to look for, what warning signs were going to be there. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying the, 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 the second coming of Christ is going to come this week, but we are living in the last days. And, and there's, no, there's no way that you can deny that these things... The, the, the disobedient to parents, that I see that. I, I, I witness that. I, I see that not just, not just disobedient to parents with children at a young age, but I, I witness that with older children, where their parents are still alive, where they're not respectful of their parents even at an older age. We are witnessing these things happening in our world today. So as I was seeking God for this message today, this this message was not something I was going to speak on. I had some other things swirling around in my mind that, that, that God was kind of showing me to do. And God just kind of dropped in, dropped in this message. And really the part of the passage that I read that, that God gave me is, is the love of many will grow cold. And, and God just really nailed me with that. He just, he just struck me with that. And I got to the Bible and I looked at the passage where Jesus 
where Jesus shared that. And, it, and it's just like, it's just so, like God's so convicting, so compelling that God, that God would use such words. And, and that's really what I want to focus on, focus on today is that. And then also, of course, that we remain faithful to the end. And, and, and Jesus said that. He said, he who remains faithful to the end will be saved. Now, we're not going to get into the debate this morning, but some people believe in the, in the concept, once saved, always saved. Or can you lose your salvation? All those different things. Well, this, this scripture, and I believe many other scriptures, support the fact that, yes, I do believe you can lose your salvation. That, that there can be a moment where, where there is a separation, where, where you make a willful choice and decision to walk away from God, for whatever reason that it is. Now, why would Jesus have said, he who remains faithful to the end will be saved. Why did he say that? All he would have to say is, he, he, if you're saved, you're okay at the end. You're not. You've got to be faithful to, to the end. It's not, it's not just a one-time prayer or a one-time decision that you and I make. So let's look at this passage here and see what Jesus was saying here. In verse 3, Jesus, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the end of the end of the of the age? And so Jesus gave them several signs that will precede his return. And um, and it's important, it's important to note this that each of the signs he mentioned will not occur only in the end times. In other words, when we read this passage, and as I was studying for this, it kind of brought the point out that we think that the things that Jesus mentioned here, these signs, are only going to happen at the end. But if you think about it, everything that Jesus mentioned has always occurred. In other words, the earthquakes have always occurred. Famines have always occurred. Um, false prophets, have, all those different things that Jesus mentioned, these things have always, have always occurred in history. But what is the difference with the end times? The difference is that these things will become more prevalent they will become more intense. They will become more obvious, and they will increase. There will be an increase of these things. And I believe that's what we're witnessing today. Um, again, I'm not, we don't know when Christ's return is going to come, but we can look at the world we live in, and it doesn't take a genius to figure out that these things are intensifying. They're, they're increasing. They're, they're, they're becoming worse. And the Bible tells us, that, that one of the things that will be an indication of the, of the return of Christ is these things will be intensifying. They, they, will, be, they will be increasing the, 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 as, the, as the return of Christ comes back. So, but when we look at this, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put together a series on this about the return of Christ, and I'm, I'm trying to do this. I want to really kind of lay it out and really kind of spell out the different ages in history and the places that we are and where the church is, where the church is at today. But just as we look at this passage, just to say this to our church and to us as Christians, we, we need to remind ourselves that Jesus is coming back. In other words, we can get so enamored with the things of the world and so excited about things that we gain in this world, it's almost like we forget that another great event is yet to happen for the church. And the Bible says, just as it was in the days of Noah, that people were, they, they, they were living their life like, like, like everything was fine, like, like, like I, I got my whole life to live, I got my family, I'm going to get married. I, they had their whole life, just as it was in the days of Noah, 
When the flock in the Bible says, so it will be when the Son of God returns. No one is going to be expecting Jesus Christ to come back. I pray his church is waiting, that we are expecting, that we are anticipating the return of Christ. That, that's what we should be. We, that, in other words, that, that, that's our hope. That, that's our glory. That's our joy, that, that Jesus is coming back. So I, I think a lot of times, and I don't think it's intentional, we forget <laughs> that there's another huge event yet to happen that the Bible talks about, and it's the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it could very well happen in our lifetime. It's very possible that, that, that it could happen. So, so that, that, that's the first thing we need to look at is this is Christ is coming back. What Jesus mentions here, he says the signs will be false teachers, wars, nation against nation, famine, and earthquakes. And, and obviously all these things have existed, but they will be more prevalent as, as Christ, as, the, as his return nears. But I want to focus on verses 9 to 13 where Jesus mentions the things that really pertain to us individually. In other words, the things that we have to be on the lookout for, the warning signs for us personally as Christians. He says, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And Jesus warns us in verse 10, he says, many will turn away from the faith. So the first warning sign that we have to look at here is the spirit of apostasy. The spirit of apostasy, and I've shared this word with y'all before, and um, you may not remember when I shared it, but I'll remind you what it is. The word apostasy means a falling away. Uh, some translations use the word rebellion or, or, or an abandonment. In other words, apostasy is a, is, is a spirit of falling away from God. In other words, just as Jesus said, a, gro a growing cold in your heart. And Jesus said here in verse 10, that at, the t at that time many will turn away from, the, from their faith and will, and will betray and hate each other. See, this is where our true test of Christianity is, is, is come, our faith in Christ is tested. Is it genuine? In other words, am I, am I genuinely saved? Am I genuinely with Christ? Am I born again? Am I grounded in who I am in Christ? Christianity based solely on religion is shallow. It's just a shallow relationship. It's really not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a Christianity relationship, and it's not going to stand the test of time. It has no roots. You're not grounded. You're not rooted in who you are as a Christian. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I think this is going to be on the screen here, it says, now, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. The Bible says that as the day of Christ is at hand, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away, or there come an apostasy, or some translation says there, there, there come a rebellion. 
The Bible says that, that the spirit of apostasy will precede the second coming. And I'm here to tell you, as a, not just as a pastor, but as a Christian, I'm witnessing the spirit of apostasy across our nation, across, across our land, that, that there's, there's a lack of enthusiasm and urgency for the things of God, that, that, that people that, that once thought of God as first and once put everything as God being first, all of a sudden there's, there's a falling away from those things. There's a, there's, a, there's a falling away, and the spirit of apostasy is prevalent in our world today. And we can never think that, well, no, it'll never happen to me, that I'm, that I, that I'm strong enough, that I'm right with God. It can happen to any of us. That, that, that falling away can happen. And, and we're going we're gonna to look at this, but, but we have to understand this. And um, recently, it was about a year or two ago, we, we mentioned there was a documentary called Sheep Among Wolves. And, and if you've never seen that, I would strongly recommend you go Google that and get that. But there was a documentary done about the spread of Christianity in Iran. Not in America, in Iran. And, and it was, they, they had women, they, were, um, they had disguised their faces and disguised their voices because obviously if you become a, a Christian in Iran, um, it's extremely dangerous. You, you know, you, you're literally taking life into your own hands. And these women just began to, to just describe the move of God and just the, 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 the salvation that they had received and, and they, the way they were able to stand up in the midst of certain death and persecution they, they, their salvation with God was real, and they, they were testifying of this. And, and I remember, and Lori might remember the exact words that she shared, but one of the women that was, that was sharing, I don't remember what the circumstance was, but for some reason she traveled to, to the United States. I don't know if it was her husband was from here or something, but somehow she, she was a Christian in Iran, and she traveled to the United States, and she said that, that it really kind of scared her because when she got to the United States, she didn't feel like her Christianity was challenged. There was, there was no challenge to live. It was, like, it was like, it was so easy over here, she said. There was, no, there was no opposition. There was no obstacles. And I don't know if Lori remembers the word that she used, but, but I just remember her describing the fact, and it almost scared her, and she made the decision to willfully go back to Iran because she, it, it, it alarmed her as a Christian that she was living in a place where she didn't really feel moved and compelled to live for God. In other words, it was like what she was recognizing, it was like it was so easy here. You know, and, and, and I thought about that, 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 you know, maybe we have it too easy. You know, maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's why, you know, we're not seeing God move the way he moves in these other places that we say, well, well we're, in a, we're, in a, we're a godly nation. We're, we're not a godly nation. We, we were founded on godly principles, but, but we're not a godly nation. But we think that, we, like, that America's like, so great with God, God's going to do all these great things here in America, and we have, a, we have these blinders on that we only think God works in America. Well, God, does, God works everywhere. He's God. And he's doing it in Iran. And, and it's almost like, it's like we, have it, we have it too easy here. And I thought about this verse in Jeremiah. It says, If you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do it in the thicket of the Jordan? And what that scripture was saying here is, is if, you have a, if you have a difficult time serving God now where things are easy, how are you going to compete for your salvation when things become difficult? 
There's, if, you, if you can't run with the footmen, how are you going to compete with the horses? How, how are you going to make it? And, and that's why we do really, I have to ask myself, and you have to ask yourself, what if I was faced with death for Christ or persecution or whatever it is, what, what would be my response? I have to, I have to say, you, you might think, well, I don't need to think about that. That's never going to happen here. You don't know that. I don't know what, what, what's going to happen. And, but we have to know whom we believe in and, and how genuine is our faith that, 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 we, that we are standing. So if you can't survive the Christian race now, how will you survive when it becomes life or death? Like literally life or death. You're not going to make it. <laughs> There's no way you're going to, we're not going to survive. See, the apostles in the New Testament understood that they were crucified with Christ. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. He, Paul understood when he became a Christian, he was dead. Not physically, but his life was dead. His life was over. It was over with. Y'all know the story in Acts chapter 7. Remember, remember uh, Stephen, one of the Christian men, Stephen, in the, in the book of Acts, and, and he had begun to share with the Pharisees and Sadducees about Christ. And, and he took... He took them all through the Old Testament, everything that they had learned, everything that they had taught, and Stephen was trying to show them that Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ was, that he was the Messiah, he was the promised Savior. And if you remember the story, they got, they got indignant. They, they were like, what? Who, who are you, just a simple man, trying to, to uh, educate and, and teach us and speak to us, these our Pharisees and religious uh, people? And they, they were angry, and the Bible says... They stoned him to death. They, they took stones and they stoned him. And, it's, and the Bible records Stephen is saying, Lord, receive my spirit. And he cried out to the Lord. And listen to what he said. He said, do not hold this sin against those who are stoning me. That, that's genuine faith. In other words, he had already resolved in his heart that if he died, it was okay. If I die, I'm going to be with Christ. It, he, he had already resolved that. We must cry out to God to keep us from falling away. You have to cry that, you have to cry that prayer out to your, in, in your personal walk with Christ, just as I do. That God, keep me from the spirit of apostasy. Keep me from, 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 from rebelling and from walking away from our relationship with the Lord. And then the next warning Jesus gives us here is verse 11. It says, And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. So the second warning is the spirit of deception. The spirit of deception. Jesus said false prophets will appear. Um, I believe the false prophets are here now. There's false prophets among us now. And, you know, many people associate false prophets with cults, with someone that stands up rightfully and says, I, you know, they, they are twisting and they are against the truth of what the Word of God says. But false prophets can appear to be Christians. They can even say that they're a Christian. <laughs> they can even say that they believe what the Bible says. <laughs> but they can still be a false prophet if they're not teaching and believing everything that the, Bi that the Bible says. In our seeker-friendly culture, churches are attempting to preach a gospel apart from repentance, a gospel apart from the cross. Paul said, if any man preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. In other words, 
Our mission and, and my, my mandate as a pastor is to speak the truth of what the Word of God says. Not to speak something that sounds good or makes you feel good, but, but what does the Word of God say? And we, we have to adhere to, this, to, the, to the simple, basic, fundamental truths of what the Word of God says. No matter what the world thinks about that, we have, we have, we have to heed the Word of God and what, and what it says. So you and I must avoid the temptation to receive a teaching different than the truth in the Bible. In other words, I can't, it's almost like, and I find this sometimes with Christians, and this may be the wrong way to describe it, but it's almost like we, we get bored with the Bible. In other words, it's like, that's not enough. Show me something new. Tell me something different. Show me a different way. Give me a different angle. Give me a different thing. When God says, no, this is the way. In other words, you, 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 we can't get bored with what God says. This is the truth. This, this is the truth of what the Word of God says. See, the Bible says we are not saved because we are good. We are saved because He is good, and we have repented and surrendered our lives to His will and His control. That's what the Bible says. Salvation, repentance is part of salvation. We repent. We turn. We, we surrender our lives to God, the Bible says. But look at this description. I thought this was so fitting, especially for our world today, of, of, of the description of a false teacher. It says, a, a false teacher is one who develops his own way, truth and life for people to follow rather than follow Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. The church has always had its false teachers, teachers who presented what they wished instead of what Christ said teachers who taught their own ideas instead of the truth of Christ, teachers who attach people to themselves instead of attaching them to Christ. And I thought that was so descriptive of the world that we're living in today. And I will just, I will just tell you that, that we, just be, be careful when, when we look at ministries and people who are prominent figures in different places, always make sure that ministry is surrounded and focused on Christ that Jesus is the center of everything they do, not man. Not man. That, that's one of the things that I use as a test. If I'm listening to someone or look, looking at someone that's a, that's a minister or maybe a television minister or whatever, one of the first things I look at to, to test is, is, is his ministry centered around Jesus Christ. Is Jesus the center of everything he does? I pray that this, is, this ministry is centered on Christ. It's not about men. It's not about man. We're, we're not a, we don't even have a religious uh, affiliation. We're not a denomination. We're, we're non-denominational. It's not wrong to have a denomination affiliation, but we, we choose to be, be, be independent of that. Well, we can just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and what is God telling us? What does God say? But, but as a Christian, um, you need to make sure that you are always gravitating yourself to people where Jesus Christ is the center of everything they do, everything they teach, everything they preach, everything they are. It's all about Jesus Christ, period. That's the foundation of everything that we do. See, the gospel does not evolve, right? That, that's the catchword today, right? You've got to get with the times. See, don't you know we're, we're evolving? We're evolving, so as the world evolves, so much the church. The church needs to evolve, and then God needs to evolve. No, God doesn't evolve. 
The Bible says God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. God doesn't change. He remains the same. So the temptation for us, even as believers, is to think, well, the, maybe the Word of God's evolving. M maybe it's like changing to fit the way the culture is that I live in. I'm here to tell you that's not true. That's false. That's wicked. But there are certain places where you can go to hear teachings that, that I believe, again, it may not be intentional, but they, they are preaching a gospel that's evolved, that's different. That's not God. Nowhere in the Bible does it say in 2021, speak another gospel or speak it differently because someone might be offended. The Bible never says that. So we have to adhere to the truth of what the Word of God says. 1 John chapter 4 says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. See, someone could claim to be a Christian. Do not believe everyone who claims to speak. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. See, we're anticipating in the, in the, in the end of the ages in the second coming, the Antichrist coming. But the Bible says the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world now. It's here today. And we can see that. And what was the main focus here that John was writing about in his letter as a, as a gauge to look at for false prophets and false teachers? What was he telling us? Everything they teach and preach better be about Jesus Christ. It better, it better, it better be about Jesus. It better be the truth about who Jesus Christ is. So, so we, we need to be so careful. There's so many sources out there. There's so many resources to go to. All these, all these blogs and all these... Facebook posts and Instagram and all these different things. And I, none of those things, are, there's nothing wrong with any of that. Matter of fact, I think in, in, in a way it helps promote and propel the gospel. But we have to be careful that we're not, uh, that, that we're, we're not walking away from the truth of what the, what the Word of God says to listen to something that sounds good. You have to always, it's got to line up with what the Word of God says. It's always got to match this. That, that, that's what I do. So if you want to know if something is true or false, Get real familiar with what is true. That's what I've done. I've gotten myself real familiar with what the Word of God says. Very familiar with that. So when I hear something that's not what the Bible says, right away the, 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 the flag goes up, the antenna goes up, and I, I, immediately I know, you know what? The Bible doesn't say that. <laughs> it might sound good. It might make me feel good. But that's not what God says. What does God say? That, 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 that's the test. And then in verse 12, this is where Jesus really kind of lets the hammer fall. It says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And the third warning is the spirit of a hard heart. The spirit of a hard heart. Jesus said the, he said the love of many will, will go cold. Now notice Jesus didn't say the, the love of all. But he did say the love of many. So that leads me to believe that's the majority. 
It's not like 50-50 or 80-20, whatever. Jesus said many, the, the, the love of many will grow, will grow cold. And that reminded me of the, of the teaching Jesus gave about the narrow road. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, what was Jesus' definition of many and few? Uh, he, he didn't give a number, but we, we know the English language. Many is a lot. If you say many, that means a lot. If you use the word few, that's not very many. That's not, that's not a lot. I pray I'm one of the few. Don't you want to be one of the few? Now, that also serves as a warning to us that, you know, like all of us in this church, because we have 100%, is 100% of the few here at the Tabernacle in Covington. That, that scripture should be a warning to us that I could be in danger of, of being the many, that, 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 it's, that it's, li it's, it's likely, it's, it's possible that that could happen, that that, that that should serve as a warning to us. See, will you be the one whose heart remains passionate for the Lord? And again, I started off by saying this, that's difficult. That's hard to do. That, 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 in the beginning, it's easy. When you first get saved, you're excited. Everything is new. The, the Bible's new. The, the church is new. Your friends are new. The, the revelation is new. Everything is brand new. But then as you begin, the years begin to go along. You begin to walk this thing. All of a sudden, it ain't, it ain't new no more. You got to keep your passion. The, 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 the passion's got to stay. How do I do that? Well, you, I, I can't keep your passion burning. And you can't keep mine burning. I have to keep my passion bright. I have to stay before the feet of Jesus. I have to get on my knees. And if, and if you feel yourself waning, if you feel yourself fading away, falling away, if you, if you feel that happening, then close your door in your bedroom and get on your knees before God and confess to God, God, help me. God, send a spirit. Compel me, God. Wake me up, God. Shake me. Do, do something, God. Change me. Uh, do whatever it is you need to do to take hold of me, God. Don't let go of me. I don't want to lose my salvation. You, got, you have to pray that prayer. That's not going to happen on a Sunday morning. That you, you, you're, not, you're not going to get that. You're going to get that every day. Every day, spending time with God, crying out before God to really want to know that your relationship with Him is, is, is real and it's right. See, our love and devotion um, for the world keeps us from loving the things of the Lord. That's the battle. It's the, it's the flesh and the spirit. And, and, and again, I live in the same world you live in. The, the things of the world, they're very enticing. They, they're, what, what did, what did um, Eve say when, they, when she looked at the apple? It was, it was good. It was, it was something that she, that, she, that she looked at. The things of the world, they're, they're very enticing. They look very good. But there's a, there's a battle. That's the battleground going in in our hearts is the, is the, battle, for the is the battle for our souls, the battle for our hearts. See, we must remain hot for the Lord, not lukewarm. So you need to ask yourself this question when it comes to your relationship with God, where is your heart? Where is your heart with God? Who, who is your heart devoted to? And is your heart divided? That one hurts. Do I have a divided heart? 
In other words, the Bible says you can't love both God and money. In other words, you can't love, in other words, you say, you say well, I love God, but I also love these things. But the Bible says you can't love both. Why? Because you'll hate one and love one, or you'll love one and hate the other. You can't, you can't be divided. Where, where's your heart? I have to ask myself that. Jesus said, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When I, when I think of the standing firm, I think of just what it says. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's like I'm standing in cement, and I'm not going to be moved. I don't care what the government does, what the UN does, what the world does, you know, all these different things that are happening around us, I will not be moved. And thank God we have the apostles in the New Testament. They, they suffered real persecution for their faith. They, they, they were martyrs for Christ. And they, it, it's almost like if you read the Bible, they, they, not only did they willingly did, do it, they did it with joy. It's almost like they were, they were excited that they could do that. We're not there. I'm not there, but I need to be because that's, that's real Christianity. That's, that's like, that's my life. That's not just like part of my life. That is my life. It's who I am. So we have to remain firm to the end and, you know, just let that, that part where Jesus said, he said, but the love, the love of many will grow cold. That hurts to think that. that and, and Jesus is, again, he's speaking to believers. He was, he was sharing it with his disciples. And remember, when he, he's, he's speaking about us like today. The love of many will grow cold. And, and, and I have to ask myself, evaluate myself, is my love for Christ dimming? Is it fading? Is it, or is it, is it growing cold? God help us with that. See, we have to have perseverance and endurance, and we have to heed the warning signs. God gave, thank you, Jesus. The Bible gives us the warning signs. It doesn't just give us the, the way to live for Christ. It even tells us if you're going off the rails. Here's what it's going to look like if you're going off course, and, here's, and, and then, then you can fix it. Thank you, Jesus. He, he, he accepts us back. He forgives us. He cleanses us and washes us.